0: Let's Talk Torah. I am Rabbi Tweet Jacobson with NRM Streamcast, and we'll spend our time talking to her, learning stuff, and having fun while we learn. You can always send your questions and comments to our mailbag at letstalktorahgmail.com, and I will answer as many as possible. You know, I'm still not sure what's with the elections, but um, I did read something recently I thought was fascinating, so I wanted to share it with you. The angel goes and says to God, What's been going on lately? So God says, look down there. Proudly says, uh, angel looks. Yeah, what what is it? It's a a planet. Oh, the angel says, and what are you calling this planet? We're going to call this planet Earth. Okay? And uh, what's with this uh, planet Earth? So God says, this planet will be filled with balance. But balance, what what does balance mean? So God explains to him, well, you see that continent over there in the north, that northern Europe area, that'll be a land of great opportunity and wealth, while southern Europe will be filled with poverty and suffering. And over there, I've got a continent full of natural resources, and that continent is full of of desert. And you'll see in the north area, there's ice and cold. And... uh, so, while God is doing the explaining, the angel points to a piece of land, and he says, "What's that oh that that's Washington state, the most glorious place on earth there's mountains and rivers and forests and and uh and creeks and places to go, and the people there will be handsome and intelligent and numerous, and they'll be sociable and charismatic and hardworking. It's amazing. It'll be just a beautiful, beautiful area. So the angel says, what's with balance? So God says, there's another Washington. You should see all the fools I put over there. Okay, so for someone who's not reading um, the news lately, um, and I saw this I saw it recently, but actually it was printed probably about uh, four or five years ago, so i don 't think things changed too much, but in any case, I hope you enjoyed that so we're s- <coughs> sorry about that allergies are coming, not corona, just allergies in any case the we in our last segment, we spent a lot of time talking about burial death. And burial now it's an interesting uh, you know uh, juxtaposition the next part of the Torah portion is uh, is about marriage this Torah portion has the first part which again talks about the death of Sarah and getting buried and then the next long part is getting a wife for Isaac that of course will be Rebecca with uh, Abraham sending his servant Eliezer to go find a wife it's long. There's got to be a good 64 minimum verses that talk about this story. Now, not only does the story talk about the, the, what Abraham told Eliezer to do, it tells how he goes and what happens, and then it repeats the story all over again, with Eliezer repeating the story. So I wanted to first go over the story a little bit, and then I wanted to point out there's a lot of major differences And then there's a lot of nuances. So I wanted to go through some of them to try to give us a feeling of of why it's repeated and what lesson am I supposed to take from the fact that it is repeated. And there's a few different lessons that we get to take, and we're going to try to get through as many of them as possible. Okay, so first, so Abraham calls Eliezer in, and he says, You need to go get a wife for my son Isaac. You cannot take a wife from around here. It has to come from family. So obviously, Abraham understood the concept of family. He wanted that Isaac will only marry somebody from his family. That was in a place called Haran. I don't know how many months it's supposed to take to get there. Eliezer is a little wishy-washy because he has a daughter that he would like Isaac to marry. And Abraham says no. So Abraham has Eliezer swear to him. Eliezer swears he gives him camels and and documents that his wealth is going to Isaac because the because Isaac cannot go to meet the girl. The girl's going to have to come back sight unseen uh to marry Isaac. Now it could be that was more common in those days. It's a little bit unheard of nowadays even in Jewish law. There's a law you can't get married till they each see each other. They have to at least, at least the 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 bride and groom have to see each other before they get married. They have to agree to see each other to make sure they're okay with this marriage. But this is Isaac and Rebecca. Eliezer goes out. He goes uh, to the well where the girls will come out to get water to bring home. And he makes a deal with God and he says, God, he says, the girl that will come and she'll give me to drink and the camels to drink, um, she will be the one that's fit to marry Isaac. And uh, Abraham had already told um, Eliezer that his angel will be there to take care of him. So Eliezer knows he's being taken care of. Sure enough, Rebecca comes out. He asks her for water. She offers to give him. Then she feeds the camels. And going back and forth, camels drink a lot, right? This is not an easy thing, and she's a little girl. Eliezer... Is sure that God is taking care of him. So Eliezer will give jewelry immediately to Rebecca. And then he will ask Rebecca, by the way, who are you? Right? Who's your family? And sure enough, she's from Abraham's family. And she even tells uh, Eliezer, we have a place for your camels to, um, to to go eat, to have a place for them to stay and to eat and to drink. We'll take care of them. So they go. And the family gets ready for a party to meet Eliezer. They didn't know exactly who he was. They knew he was a relative. They may have thought he was even Abraham until he starts speaking. They say, let's sit and eat. Eliezer says, I'm not talking till I give over the message. And he re- all that, that, this that I've just told you is written in the Torah. And now it's rewritten a second time with, ch- with changes in some of the details along the way. So, um, for example... Um, when Abraham tells Eliezer, he says, go to, the, go to my land and birthplace. Eliezer repeats it a little different. He doesn't say la- that Abraham said, go to my land and birthplace. He says, go to the house of my father. In other words, the, way, the first way we're going to explain what's going on, and then we'll re-explain a second way. But um, Eliezer is looking at this family And he's going to use all kinds of psychology to convince them to send Rebecca back to marry Isaac, sight unseen. Right? So he's going to have to change some of the things Abraham told him. Whether he had permission to do this or not, we'll talk about. But he's going to change some of the details. So instead of saying what Abraham said, go to land to my land and my birthplace, he says, go to the go go to the house of my father. And says, go to family. Right? So right away he's showing love on Besuel, Rebecca, that to Abraham there is nothing more important than family. Family is king. First things first is family. And Abraham wants family. So again, you you understand his family. You'll have more of a reason to be okay with the fact that you're gonna be asked to move away Sight unseen, but it's not so sight unseen, it's family, right? We know what family is, we know family takes care of each other, we know there's a connection in family. You don't have to be so concerned that you don't know who this Isaac is, and you maybe you heard about Abraham, but you haven't seen him in who knows how many years, right? It would be, uh, um, if Abraham right now is 137. So about 62, between 62 and 67 years, they haven't seen each other. But you know of him, his family, so that's not gonna be so troublesome. So therefore, Eliezer changes that piece of information. Then he the the Eliezer continues in the conversation with the family. And when Abraham sent Eliezer to go, he he told him. God who took me from, uh, it's called Orkazdem, right? And Eliezer changes it to the God before who I walked. In other words, Eliezer figures like this. Abraham is not a boasting person. He's not. But to say the words, God who took me from this land and brought me to Israel, sounds like you're, it could sound like you're saying that God picked me. I'm the guy. God picked me, so Eliezer is going to be telling over a story about Abraham, who's boasting, "God picked me, so you do whatever I say." So Eliezer did not want it to come out that way. In other words, he could repeat the exact words of Abraham, but by repeating word for word, verbatim, the you could get the wrong idea. So instead, um, Eliezer changed it to the God or Hashem before whom I walked. Right. In other words, I believe in God and. Uh, But not that God picked me, that you should think I'm something better than you. So therefore, Eliezer changes those words. Then it continues. And he says, so he sent me here, and uh, and I asked, Eliezer's talking, that he asked Abraham, what if the girl doesn't want to come back? So Abraham had told his servant Eliezer, he said, lest you bring my son there. Which, again, taken out of context, could sound like you're saying that uh, my son is not going to that country, to those people. I'm sure there's a good girl there you could bring back, but my son is not going to those people. Again, everything is tone of voice, but you—right, we just finished out of politics—you can take any words out of context— and take it to mean that, uh-huh, oh, we're not good enough for, for Isaac to come here. So instead, um, Eliezer says, if the girl doesn't want to come back, then you don't have to keep your promise. You can come home. as He doesn't want to say the words so strong, my son cannot go to that neighborhood. If they don't want to send the girl back, we understand you don't have to keep your promise and come home. End of story, and I was without without making it sound like I'm putting you down because again, we're we're looking at the psychology over here, and Eliezer does not want them to have any excuse psychologically to to nix this Shidduch, right? To not let Rebecca marry Isaac. It goes on. So, um, so Eliezer. When he shows up at the well, he says to God, I, I need a sign. you got to show me this we, we mentioned already. I need a sign. The girl that, that offers you meat to drink and the camels to drink, that's the, the merciful God to Abraham, right? Um, you'll show kindness to Abraham, but, but in repeating the story, so Eliezer doesn't, he talks about the condition that he made. But he neglects to mention you'll do kindness to Abraham. And as God to God, Eliezer says, by doing this sign, you'll do a kindness to Abraham. But as soon as he says that, those words to um, Rebecca's family, they're going to take it to say, do Abraham a favor. Again, it's the wrong words. As soon as you, as soon as you say, do Abraham a favor, now. Now Rebecca's family can feel they're in control. Oh, we should do Abraham a favor. I don't know if we want to do Abraham a favor. Who says we have to do Abraham a favor? So again, he's he's not using the words of Abraham that can be construed in any way that they should not allow their daughter Rebecca to go back and marry Isaac. Okay, um, one of the more famous um, changes. And this one had nothing to do with what Abraham said. Till now, most of this stuff is that Eliezer is not repeating Abraham's words. Now, again, we're going to have to discuss this as we move along. Who told Eliezer to play with psychology and help the the uh, the shidduch move along? Who said he was supposed to play along with the story and change details? He's a servant. He's a messenger. Maybe has to say over word for word, so we're gonna get there. But, but now, at this point, things can definitely change because, because we said when we said over the story that once Rebecca finished giving the water to Eliezer and the water to the camels, so she, um, so she, uh, he he went ahead and he said to Rebecca, "Who are you? Who are you?" I'm sorry. He gave the jewelry first, and then he said. And then he said, um, okay, by the way, who are you? Right. First he gave the jewelry. He knew God took care of him. And then he went ahead and said who she is. You can't say that over to Rebecca's family. You sound like a fool because, good, you believe in God, so you believe that God took care of you, and therefore you got lucky and got the right girl. Um, but we don't live that way, Rebecca's family is going to say. You're a foolish servant. How could you give your master's money to this girl without even asking her who she is. You obviously cannot be trusted. We'll just have to hold your money for you till Abraham makes his way out here on his own. And we'll figure out what to do then later. So on that, Eliezer understands on his own that he has to go ahead and change the story. And when he repeats the story, he's going to say, I asked her who she is, and she told me she's from Abraham's family, and therefore I took out the jewelry, and I gave her some jewelry. Okay, very good. Um, Interesting enough, um, when Rebecca gives the water and gives to the camels and then she tells Eliezer, the chiefs from Abraham's family, Eliezer thanks God for it. On that one, interesting enough, um, there's no mention of that in the repeat of the story um, simply because um, when Eliezer thanks God, it's in respect to Abraham. There's no respect to Abraham over here telling over the story. One more, one more, is that that when Eliezer's talking to Rebecca, he says, God led me to your house. When he repeats the story, he just says, God who led me in the true way. Meaning, that the first way God led me to your house, it was completely out of my control. God led me there. He just he just pulled me straight along. which is just recognizing that God pulls all the strings. But when he's saying over the story, they're not going to relate that I had no choice. So he says in such a way that um, that I had a choice. And then again, afterwards, there's all kinds of nuances. Um, Eliezer gives details about all the wealth. Abraham didn't give the details. There's there's other there's other stuff happening. So the way. We've finished explaining the story um, and this is what the Akedah says that Eliezer is using psychology um, and the Torah, this whole very long Torah portion is teaching us the wisdom of how to accomplish things. Which simply stated means that yes, yeah, sometimes need, people need help pushing things along. You know, there's a, for those that are on the roof, right? We, that's our theme song. All right, we all know about the Shatrin and uh, the the matchmaker and matchmakers without question take some liberties and, uh, and to move things along. However, they use psychology and stuff. If people are unclear about something or unhappy about something, the good shatrin can push away everything that's not important and and move things along to help the couple get engaged and then get married. So you clearly see according to the akeda that this is not only an acceptable practice, this is beautiful practice. This is exactly the way you're supposed to do it. Because everybody has their hang-ups. They don't realize what's important, what's not important. You need somebody with, with wisdom, with understanding, usually somebody older, to, um, to cut through all the things that are bothering people and let this couple get married. Because everything matches, everything fits, everything works, they like each other, whatever. But some of the side, peripheral stuff is just not important. But without somebody using wisdom to, to, to help everybody out, it's not going to happen. It's just not going to happen. So therefore, you clearly see from this Torah portion that um, nothing wrong. This is not only acceptable, this is really the way to do things. It's okay to help convince people. And again, you you listen to the story. I'm a messenger. I'm supposed to deliver a story over. I'm supposed to deliver over a message. When I see the people I'm giving the message over to, I'm allowed to look at the situation and not always use word for word that I was given. Sometimes using word for word that was given is not healthy. So you're allowed to go ahead and play with the story. I'm not saying you have to completely change the story, but there's certainly nothing wrong with changing details in the story. Um, there's a Riff Hirsch. Rav Sanzar hirsch he says similar, in a very, very similar vein. Um, he says it's got to make it uh, palatable for, Riff, for Rebecca's family because she's not coming home. Right? They're sending her off to get married, not to be seen again. And again, I'm not saying if this was common or not common in those days, and certainly marrying into a very wealthy family, because uh, the 10 camels just show part of the wealth and the documentation shows the rest, it just makes it easier for everybody. However, there's a very interesting radak. Radak says, first of all, he says, the differences that I mentioned to you really uh, are of no value and of no importance. The whole story is to show that God loved Abraham and even more than that. Let's say for argument's sake that uh, Abraham felt that, the, that he's telling Eliezer over this story and, and, God, and Abraham wants Eliezer to use word for word exactly what Abraham said and that's the way it's going to work. Foolish slave thinks he's smarter than Abraham. He changes a lot, of, a lot of the details. Now, what if Abraham was right? What if the best way to go about this marriage between Rebekah and Isaac, to get Rebekah to come back, was to use Abraham's words? The slave thought he's smarter than Abraham. And he used a bunch of, of, uh, of uh, changes, which really made things worse. But it didn't matter. And that's the beauty of the whole story. Abraham said, do A, B, C. The servant shows up and does E, F, G. And it doesn't matter one iota. Because God is the one that creates marriages. Marriages are made in heaven. God wanted Isaac and Rebecca to get married. It doesn't matter if Eliezer changes the details. It doesn't matter if Eliezer does things he has no permission to do. But since they're going to get married... You can't, you, you can't stop anything. You 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 you're standing in front of a freight train. You will not be able to accomplish anything. So it's the opposite of what I just told you before. So according to this redak, all these shatchanim that they try to use the wisdom this way, the wisdom that way, they try to finagle things here there. They are not the ones in control. God is the one who's completely in control, and God is the one that's going to decide what exactly is going to happen. Look, I have. Uh, Um, Thank God I have five married children. And I can tell you, in the process, sometimes you're convinced that things are going the wrong direction. You think you're smarter. But if God wants this couple to get married, you could stand on your head. They're getting married. So you might as well get out of the way and let uh, God move the process along. So I did write myself a little note over here. I just figured, just to mention, it is interesting. Um, Eliezer's condition... Was the girl should ask him offer him water and offer the camel 's water, so the question is why is that the offer like why could how could you ever expect when it comes to kindness that uh, that someone should be kind enough to feed your flock of camels she's a little girl, ten camels you got to fill up the troughs i mean that's that's ridiculous you You hire people to do that you don 't ask a little girl and say, well if she 's not going to do it, she 's not really a kind person. How could you say such a thing so it's interesting so One of the answers that I like to say over is, Eliezer said it's not good enough just for a person to be kind. Kindness is beautiful. But sometimes kindness is misplaced. You need a person to join Abraham's house who is not only kind, but he's kind using their brains. So here's the problem. She has this humongous picture, and the servant Eliezer just drank from the picture. He's not drinking the whole pitcher. This pitcher is enough water for a whole household for the whole night, maybe for probably the next day even. So what are you going to do with this pitcher? You're going to bring it home? Some stranger just drank out of it. Who knows what germs are there? Okay, you're going to spill it out. You can't spill it out because you're going to embarrass the person you just gave the water to so now you got a problem do you embarrass the person or bring it home you can't do either so how could you not bring the water home and not embarrass the slave no problem how about I give the rest of the water to your animals ah it's not enough I'm going to have to go ahead and uh, keep refilling so it's kindness with thinking which is a beautiful thing and it's also a beautiful thing that the music is playing as always I hope you enjoyed it short and sweet Thank you to all the wonderful, wonderful sponsors and listeners. You know I can't do it without you. Thank you to my wonderful production team. We have David and Kelsey in the back. I hope I have left you some food for thought. Until next time, I am Rabbi Tzvi Jacobson. You've been listening to Let's Talk Torah on NRS Streamcast. And until next time, don't forget to think about it.